This is a guide to the night sky in January 2008. It's uh, based on the 2008 Australian Sky Guide, which is available from uh, the Powerhouse Museum, available online from the Powerhouse Museum, available from Sydney Observatory and available from good bookstores. If you want to become familiar with tonight's sky in January, go outside after dark, settle down, um, make sure you're familiar with the cardinal directions, north, east, east is the direction in which the sun rises, west the direction in which the sun, set, sun sets, and south. Also, it would be helpful to have a star map, and that's available from uh, the Sydney Observatory blog, www.sydneyobservatory.com.au slash blog. And if you print out the star map, um, it's the best to look at it using a red torch or using a torch with a little bit of red cellophane uh, uh, put, on, put in front of it and secured with a rubber band, and that will make it far easier for you to compare what's up in, on the map and what's up in the sky. There are some special events uh, during the months which I'll mention at the end of this uh, podcast. Dominating the northern sky is the planet Mars. In the, that this is in the early evening. Planet Mars, which is uh, red, which is uh, of course famous for its uh, red colour. It is uh, just below the constellation of Orion, which is. Uh, the best-known signpost of the Australian summer sky. Orion is a very easy constellation to recognise. It's, it's composed of r- roughly a rectangle of four bright stars, and uh, in the middle there are three stars in a row. They represent the belt of the giant Orion, after whom the constellation is named. The brightest star that is so uh, and the highest point of Orion is a star called Rigel. This is uh, one of the brightest brightest stars in the sky. It is uh, 773 light years from us, so even though it's at a large distance, it's still very bright in the sky, and that is because it is intrinsically very bright. In, uh, it actually puts out huge amount, far more than our own sun. It puts out 66,000 times as much energy as our own sun. It's also much more, much hotter than our own sun. It uh, has a temperature of 11,000 degrees, which compares to a temperature of 5,500 degrees Kelvin, um, which is almost the same as uh, Celsius. So it's 11,000 compared to 5,500 for our own sun. It's also a huge star. It's a star 70 times the diameter of our own sun. The other bright star, in the really bright star in the constellation, is a very well-known star called Betelgeuse, and that's, uh, that's closer to the horizon. It's towards uh, the northern horizon. And that's a reddish star. It's one of the few stars in the sky in which the colour is very obvious. It's a red giant star, a star that's very, very large. If it uh, had been, if it would be placed at uh, at the position of our own sun, then uh, it would uh, not only encompass 
the planet Mercury, which is the closest star to our own sun, but Venus, the Earth, and even the planet Mars, which is the fourth planet from our own sun. So it's a giant star. It's a star um, at the latest stage of its life cycle. Eventually it will blow part of its outer atmosphere and eventually it would explode as a, as a supernova star. Now Orion is, uh, as I said, is a signpost to the summer sky in, uh, in a, as seen from Australia. One of the base of, ways of using it is to extend the three stars of the belt in either direction. If we extend the three stars of the belt upwards towards the right, towards the east, we reach the brightest star in the sky, Sirius. And it's worthwhile looking at, uh, at Sirius because it is the brightest star. So anything that you can see in the sky, any, any object you can see in the sky, brighter than Sirius, is likely to be on the planets, especially uh, Venus or Jupiter, or on some occasions the planet Mars. So it is an exceptionally bright, uh, uh, bright object. Sirius is not intrinsically bright. It is, appears bright in the sky because it is relatively close. It's about nine light years from us, so it is one of the closest stars to us. It's a little bit brighter than our own sun. It's, it's about 20, 26 times brighter than our own sun, or it puts out about 26 times as much light as our own sun, and has a mass a couple of times greater than our own sun. It is a very famous companion, a little dwarf star known as Sirius B. Now, this was first noticed back in 1844, and an astronomer called Friedrich Bessel noticed that Sirius didn't quite stay in one's place, but if its position was measured very accurately, it was moving slightly back, back and forth. And that suggested that it's actually circling around another object. But in those days, nobody could see what that object was. Finally, this object was seen about 20 years later by an American optician, Alvin Clark. He was uh, testing a new telescope, and he noticed a very, very faint little, uh, little star next to the very bright Sirius. And that star turned out to be a white dwarf star, a star that is... Uh, very much at the end of its life cycle, a star that has uh, completely collapsed inwards. It's a star that has uh, about the diameter or the width of the Earth, yet it has the mass of the Sun. So it's an extremely compact and dense object. So even though it's small and faint, it is sufficiently massive to, uh, to make uh, serious wobble just, just enough so it could be noticed as far back as in 18. 44. Looking a little bit further towards the, the right of uh, right or toward the east of, uh, of Orion and looking uh, below Orion, so towards, uh, towards the horizon, there are two bright stars close together. They are the stars of uh, the twin stars of the constellation of Gemini, the twins, and the stars Pollux and Castor. These two are fairly bright stars, or appear fairly bright in our sky, but in fact they're relatively close. Uh, Pollux, which is the one a little bit higher up from the horizon, is 34 light years away, 
and uh, puts out about 50 times more light than our own sun. My caster, the one below, is closer to the horizon, is about 50 light years away. Now, this is a very interesting star because if you look at uh, casters through a telescope, you can see that it's actually made up of two stars. So it's not a one star, but two stars. But what's even more interesting is that each of those stars that we can uh, see visually through a telescope turns, has turned out to be a double star. It has to be two stars circling around each other. This is only noticed by astronomers through a device through a spectroscope which breaks light up into its component colours. And uh, by uh, looking at uh, the light from a caster with uh, a spectroscope, we can actually see that there are um, the spectra, spectrum of two stars in, uh, visible in, in the stars. And these two stars are circling around each other. So there are each of so caster, if you look at caster through a small telescope, it's a double star, but in fact each of those two stars is, is turned out to be a double star. And there is another pair of faint stars in the system. And again, uh, that pair of faint stars uh, can only be, work, any be resolved or, or uh, detected as a double star by looking at the spectrum of that faint star. So Castor is, is made up of six stars altogether. So we look at it with the unaided eye, um, it just appears like an ordinary star, but in fact it's six stars altogether. If we go back to Orion and extend the belt of Orion towards the left, towards the west, we reach a star called Aldebaran. It's part of the constellation of Taurus. And it's fairly easy to recognise Aldebaran and the constellation of Taurus because there is a V-shaped group of uh, group of stars of which Aldebaran is the brightest. Uh, brightest. It's a slightly orange-coloured star. It is... Uh, it's a little bit cooler, and it's orange-coloured, but it's a little bit cooler than our own sun. But we can see it, even though it's at a distance of 65 light years, that its light has taken 65 years to reach us from, uh, from that star, because it's a giant star. It has, uh, four, it has a diameter or width 40 times that of our own, uh, our own sun and puts out something like 350 times as much light as our own sun. Another thing that's interesting about Aldebaran that it's the brightest star in uh, among the V-shaped group of stars that uh, we can see in uh, in Taurus, but those stars have no connection with uh, with Aldebaran in physically in space. They're at a greater distance, so the rest of those stars and those V-shape are composed of uh, composed of a cluster of stars called the Hyades, and they all sort of in the one area of the sky and they're all moving together so but except for Aldebaran which have, uh, even though it appears in the same direction in the sky but it has no connection with the other stars of uh, the Hyades of the cluster of Hyades which appear right next to it in the sky if we go over to the southern part of the sky we have the southern cross 
fairly loud down in the southeast. It's lying on its side. The Southern Cross can also is of course very well known in uh, in Australia. It's on uh, on the Australian flag. It's used on uh, very many company logos. So it is very much an Australian icon. Many people though have trouble recognizing it in in the sky. And there are other groups of stars which do resemble a cross nearby. But the way to recognize the Southern Cross that it's much more compact than the other nearby uh, star groups that could uh, be confused with it. But also it has two stars below, or at least in, in January, below the Southern Cross, which point up to the Southern Cross. And these are the two pointer stars, Alpha and Beta Centauri. And Alpha Centauri, the, la- the last one of the pointers, is of course the closest star system to Earth. It, it has a distance from Earth of uh, four and a third light years. That is light from uh, Alpha Centauri left left the star uh, back in uh, 2004, four years ago. In fact, or more accurately, for back in uh, late uh, 2003. And of course, uh, Alpha Centauri is a double star system with two with. Uh, it's one of the nicest objects to look at through a small telescope. If you look at Alpha Centauri in a small telescope, um, it looks like a pair of uh, distant car headlights with two stars close together. And they circle around each other, uh, taking about 80 years to do so. There's another star in the system, which is uh, known as Proxima Centauri, which appears to be moving around the two stars that we can see through a telescope. That is a very faint dwarf star, um, not easily visible through a telescope, and it is uh, quite a way away from the other two stars. So it's not uh, not in the field of view of a t- normal telescope when we look at uh, Alpha Centauri. If we extend the cross, the Southern Cross, um, along to the right, we reach a star called Echinar. Now this is a star that uh, is uh, known as the end of the river because it's uh, at the end of a long winding constellation called Eridanus. Most of those stars in the in Eridanus are tend to be very faint stars so then it's not that obvious apart from Echinar itself. Echinar is uh, an interesting star. It's the ninth brightest star in the, in the sky. It's a distance of 144 light years away from us. It's a fairly hot star, much hotter than our own sun. Um, in fact, temperature of somewhere around 15,000 degrees or even ho- even hotter. And uh, as I said, uh, our own sun has a temperature of uh, 5,500 degrees Kelvin. So Echinar is a very hot star. But what's unusual about it, it's spinning very fast. And it's spinning so fast that it has uh, become elongated. Around its uh, equator, the star has a width of around 12 times that of our own sun. But around the poles, it's something like 8 times the width of our own sun. So it's a very much has a very much elongated shape due to its fast spin. With that, let us uh, 
conclude our uh, tour of the night sky in January. But uh, let me add that on, uh, on the 3rd of January, Thursday the 3rd of January at 11am, the Earth is closest to the Sun for the year. And that is, uh, that is an event referred to as perihelion. Now, because we happen to be close to the Sun in our summer, it does not actually mean that is why we have summer. Uh, summer is due to the tilt of the Earth's axis and it's not the distance, not the small changes in distance. However, it does mean that our summers are just a little bit hotter than they would be otherwise, but they're also a little bit shorter. And correspondingly, uh, people in the, for people in the Northern Hemisphere, their winters are a little bit shorter than their summers because uh, at that time of the year, the Earth is closer to the sun and moving and moving faster than it is and normally at other times uh, other times during the year. Also, it's worth looking out for the 19th of January when the gibbous moon will be near the planet, uh, planet Mars and that should, be in the, that should be a spectacular sight. That concludes our tour of the night sky in, in January. This uh, podcast is from uh, the Sydney Observatory blog www.sydneyobservatory.com.au slash blog The information in the podcast is also available in the 2008 Australian Sky Guide which would uh, give you information not, not just for this month but for, uh, for every month of the year to get a bit star maps.